wanted a little bit of a change of pace today uh, for a few reasons. I just felt like I wanted some company up here uh, for one, but, uh, but we also really value what we can learn from, from open conversations that aren't just one person kind of speaking things to a group of people. Uh, so, so we're going to do this, this thing for a couple weeks, I think. We're going to experiment. But, but I want to tell you a story first uh, before we get into what we're, what we're talking about. And, uh, and so I assume that uh, my brother Rob, not actual physical brother, but brother in Christ, uh, is watching right now. Um, he and I have a lot of conversations together, and, uh, and we get together in each other's backyards uh, pretty, pretty frequently for a little, a little outside conversation. And just a couple of weeks ago, we were at my house, and I have a little, um, a little outdoor patio off the back of our house that has a little fountain that I've been working on. I've mentioned it before. It's been a little fun project to get this little waterfall going. And I finally had it up and going. And, uh, and so I was excited to have somebody there at our table where we could sit on the opposite side of the table and drink coffee and chat with this flowing water in the background, this beautiful trickle that brings peace and, 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 uh, and, and beauty of, of nature and everything like that. So, so I, I have it on and Rob comes over and he sits down at the table and we're talking about this, this water feature in our backyard that I love so much that I've put time and energy into and how, how peaceful it is. And he goes, well, I have to tell you something. He said, uh, he, I used to live in Alaska. Rob, Rob lived in Alaska for, for quite a while. And, uh, and he said, the area that I lived in had so much precipitation that the sound of trickling water meant that there is a leak in your house. And so that's the initial thought that comes to my mind when I sit and I hear this. I think, where's the leak? Where's the water splashing into my house? And I'm sitting here thinking, this sound is the most beautiful, peaceful, wonderful, you know, like, like you know, shalom-making thing ever. This is, this is one with the world, right? This is beautiful. And, and for him, and he said, you know, I think I've gotten past that now, but that's still my initial thought when I hear this. The same exact thing for two different people means very different things. For one person, there, there's life and, and goodness and hope represented, and the exact same thing to another person because of their perspectives, because their experience might bring something very different. This is what we have. This is a microcosm of what we have in our world right now, where, where we have people talking about the same things often and having such various perspectives that it's really hard even to, to cross the, the boundary. And I'm not just talking about politics. I'm just talking about how everything is uh, these days with, with our, our perspectives and our assumptions. And within the Christian faith, it's become a, a, real, a real challenge to be able to, to figure out how do we... How do we Understand where each other's coming from. How do we do something beyond just saying, well, obviously this means this and I'm right? What does Jesus teach us about that? So, so I thought, you know, why don't we have these conversations for a couple weeks around the theme of like rules of engagement? So what are Christ-like ways, you know, that, that we can learn how to hear and dialogue with each other? And so me just standing up here alone saying that is not nearly as exciting. As um, engaging. Yeah, and engaging as actually doing the thing that we're trying to teach people to do. So, uh, so we're going to kind of take a, a passage of Scripture, at least this week and next week, and just kind of sit with it. This is not very scripted at all, which you're going to probably pick up right away. But this is not very scripted. We've chatted a little bit about this, this passage. But, uh, but we want to ask, what is meaningful engagement look like? What does Christ-like engagement look like with other people in complicated times? 
All right, and there's this one passage, it's an, actually an entire chapter in the book of Romans that is really kind of profound in the way that it speaks to us about these things. And so, so I want to um, just go ahead and, and let's, let's read this sure. thing first without much, much sure. preface, yeah. and, uh, and then we'll go, we'll just dive right in and say, okay. what does this mean? What do we do with this in today's day and age? So you want to start? We'll just do a couple of verses each. Sure. Accept him whose faith is weak, without passing judgment on disputable matters. One man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not, and the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. And he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever uh, eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life, so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother, or why do you look down on your brother? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in and of itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person, it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you're no longer acting in love. Do, you, or do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good to be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human appraisal, approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a man to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother to fall. So... Whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat, because their eating is not from faith. And everything that does not come from faith is sin. The end. <laughs> so there's all this big stuff happening in the world, and we're going to spend a morning talking about vegetarianism or not. Right. Dwayne, what is the deal with food? 
well, help us out. Yeah, I think it's an important thing to understand that Paul's writing to the church in Rome, and Rome is a place where um, most of the people there are Gentiles. Most of the people there were not of Jewish heritage. Um, and there were, in Roman practice, uh, lots of idol worship, lots yeah. of worship of lots other of gods. And oftentimes you would, you know, take food and you would offer that and, and sort of sacrifice that before the gods. And I think there is this conflict between people who are trying to embrace the Christian faith and understand what that looks like and what that means. And the conflict is that some people are thinking, well, I shouldn't actually eat this meat that's been sacrificed to these foreign idols. It's, it's, it's ceremonially unclean. It's yeah. unethical. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> and then there were others, as Paul clearly self-identifies as a person who says, look, I think all food is fine. Um, but everybody's not there, right? So that's, to me, I think that's sort of the, the interesting conflict. And, and one more quick thing that I think is fascinating about that is, and this sounds judgy at first, even though he spends the whole chapter saying don't judge, he basically says, okay, those whose faith is weak may just eat vegetables, but those, the opposite of those, like the people whose faith is strong, Paul is including himself in that category, yes, he is. understand <laughs> that, that the grace of Jesus covers everything, and so there is no unclean food, right? Yeah. So I think that's fascinating to me at first, is like the weak in faith versus the strong in faith. Yeah, and, and again, this challenges what we might look at as conventional wisdom that says that the stronger in faith are the ones who just don't do anything questionable. Yeah. And, and obviously the idea here is not that Paul is encouraging people to have questionable morality, but he's saying that sometimes <clears throat> the lines are drawn in ways that actually don't lead to greatest love or greatest yeah. freedom that we've been given. I, I think to me it, it, it brings up the question of the idea of what is faith. And for, <laughs> for in this context, Paul has faith that no matter what he does with food, that, that Jesus covers that. The, yeah. the faith is in the trusting Jesus beyond all ceremony, beyond all ritual, beyond all, you know, acts of and, righteousness. Yeah, and so we may be jumping the gun a little bit, but then at the end, yeah. that, is, that is clarified because the final thing yeah. he says is, listen, when you're not acting in faith, it's sin, which brings this yeah. massive ambiguity, yeah. which is we want to say that sin is sin is sin is sin, and it's all black and white, and it's all decided, and God is up there in heaven, separated from us, and in addition to the Bible, he has his book of moral law that he has already decided all of these are X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And Paul seems to be saying, actually, as we submit ourselves to the spirit, the state of the heart then yeah. is what is most crucial. Not that there aren't ethical and unethical choices, but that there might be times where for you, the most loving choice is, is this, or, or actually someone else might be doing something, and if you do that, because you know that you're betraying yeah. your own spirit-led conscience, that it's sin for you. So, so what is not sin is truly acting in faith in yeah. Christ as you walk forward. I think ambiguity is the thing to, to, to hit on here because it feels to us ambi it ambiguous. It totally feels ambiguous. Because we want there to be clear indications of is this right, is this wrong. And, and in this particular chapter about this particular issue, which we may or may not be able to extrapolate to other issues. We can talk about that in a minute. But, <laughs> but about this particular issue, Paul is saying, look— this way could be right for you, and that other opposite way could be right for somebody else, and both are fine. And it leaves us in this state of ambiguity, and it's really, I think, challenging for people who, who want a, a clear answer. Do you think that's Paul's point? <clears throat> Absolutely. I do. <clears throat> I mean, I think that he's, 
See, I wonder. I'm not positive if that's true. Okay. Because, because I think if, if we go down that road too much, then, then Paul's point becomes, well, you know, it could be anything, whatever. Well, but his point is about interaction with people, isn't true, it? True, but okay. he, he says something similar in 1 Corinthians, right? When he says, everything is permissible yes. for me, yeah. but not everything is beneficial. beneficial. There's always this balance, this tension of, yeah, the grace of Jesus covers it all. The law mm. is no longer a factor in my life, he Paul was says. was terrified of, going, of people going back to a law-based yeah. religion that didn't value the yeah. grace of God enough. That, right. that said that, okay, yes, I've been given grace, but I only stay in that grace if I figure out all, all the right things to do. And Paul rails against that. Right. So there's this internal world of like, listen, if the Son has set you free, you're free indeed, yeah. right? So don't go back to slavery, he says over and over. That's and so, and so here's the point. I think we should not be focusing on whether we're eating meat or eating vegetables. We need to be focusing. The sin in this passage is what you do with that. And so yeah. he says clearly, the man who eats everything... In other words, the one who has sort of a liberal view of this food law, that man must not look down on him yes. who does not. And then the opposite, right, the one who does not eat everything, so the more conservative view uh, in, in this particular food law, is saying that person should not condemn the one who's eating whatever he wants. Mm -hmm. So don't look down on people because they're trying to follow and be faithful, the, yeah. what they believe God has told them to do. But those who are trying to be faithful and follow what God has told them to do, shouldn't judge the people who aren't making those same choices. Yeah. To me, that's the sin. So then right? we get to the, the, so which is the interpersonal part. Because right. if you notice in, in Romans 14, um, you know, I think it's absolutely fascinating that by verse 13, which is his summation of the first section, and, and he, in verse 13, his big idea is therefore, you know, therefore means following in light of all of these things I've just said, therefore, stop passing judgment on one another. So the first big statement is stop passing judgment. And I love what he says earlier because that's the third time he's mentioned, listen, you who think you have it figured out, maybe you do for yourself. Maybe you do have it figured out for yourself of what's faithful, but be very, very careful that you don't pass judgment on another for whom you do not know their internal struggles, mm -hmm. you don't know their story, whatever. And, and here, here Paul gets really snarky with people. And, and I, I kind of appreciate that. Because in verse 4, the first time that he argues about judgment, he says, Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand and fall. Servants will stand or fall. Because, and then we go there and we say, ooh, that's right. That's right. You'll stand before God one day and you'll, you'll have to account for yourself. <laughs> and then Paul says, and by the way, they will stand. The one who's different from you. Because the Lord is able to make them stand. Because that's what yeah. grace is. Stop condemning people who yeah. are seeking to follow Jesus differently than you. Yeah. I, honestly, this is a big deal for us. We condemn people whose way of following Jesus is different all the time. Yeah. And it goes way beyond food laws. Way beyond food laws. You know, and... <sighs> should, we, should we go there? I mean, how, like, yeah. how, let's go there. Let's go there. Let's do this. How far, like, so what, what happens then when we are so deeply feel like, no, this is clearly the kingdom. This yeah. is clearly a, God's heart, but someone else who's a professing Christian mm -hmm. disagrees with us yeah. on, on that or seems to ignore that. Someone seems to ignore God's heart for the poor or yeah. someone seems to ignore God's, uh, Jesus' call to personal purity. Yeah. Or, or um, to the care 
for the unborn or the violence and care for the prisoner. Yeah. You know, like, by the way, Jesus' politics just don't fit into our categories. It doesn't work. You can try all you want. You can certainly have opinions, but, but we want to put, here we go, <laughs> we want to put Jesus on a right-left continuum, on a liberal-conservative continuum. Say Jesus is right kind of here on the line. But that's not what the kingdom of God is because the kingdom of God is not of this world. It impacts this world, but the kingdom of God is on a different plane entirely, okay? So, so you can't put Jesus on a continuum there because Jesus doesn't work like that because the politics of power are never the way that God works. It's servanthood and self-giving, and that's not how our world works. To, yeah, to me, the verse that speaks to that is verse 17, where Paul says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. But of righteousness. And let's substitute that Peace phrase, and eating and drinking. Pick whatever issue you're thinking about. Yeah. The kingdom of God is not about right and left. The kingdom of God is not about pro this or anti that or pro this or whatever. The kingdom of God, to me, that's saying it's, it's so much bigger than you're even realizing. You're squabbling over food. You're squabbling over whether or not it's right to eat this or eat that or worship this way or worship that way or, or do this practice or do that practice. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's just a matter of remembering the kingdom of God is bigger than that. And when I say bigger, I mean maybe it encompasses all of it. Not that it's separate from those right, things, but right. that it, pro- it encompasses aspects of all of those things. Hmm. I mean, to me, that, that, yeah. that jumps out at me. Yeah, and, and the, the thing I think that's important maybe when we hit those points of, of contention, yeah. uh, you know, Paul says that, that 14, you know, being fully persuaded in Christ, in the Lord Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> that nothing's unclean, you know? Uh, like, that, that what the point should be is we should be pointing people toward being fully persuaded in Jesus. That as we engage with each other in meaningful conversations, it's not about my way or your way, it's saying, let's deeply seek Jesus together. Yeah. And we often, specifically as we get back, we're not, we didn't intend to talk about like politics this whole time, and we're not really, but, but specifically as it gets to politics, what you'll find is that if, you're, if your center is on Jesus, you may just end up having different views of how to address various issues that you actually end up very similar yeah. on. And and, yeah, and that, that's totally, I think we're totally not ready for that. I think all of us have some belief deep in our heart that if we're both centered on Jesus and we really pray about it and we really follow Jesus, then eventually we'll get to a point of agreement. <laughs> like, uh-oh, what if that doesn't happen? Like, you, you call this rules of engagement, and I kind of thought as I was driving over here this morning, Romans 14, this is not a great way to win an argument. No. This is a terrible way to win an argument. It's a terrible way to convince someone else that, that they're wrong and you're right. Because there's that's all a, this other orientation yeah, about it. it's like... You're, you're, in fact, we're not supposed to talk about chapter 15, but I have to. The, the first couple of verses, in, he says, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak. Okay, no judgment there. Like, really, he's not, we're not judging. But we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. So the end goal of these conversations is not... I'm right, you're wrong, or we need mm-hmm. to get this, this change happening in our country. You. Or even to convince you. Yeah. My job is to build you up. 
Yeah. My whole point, my whole position, everything I say, everything I do should be to build you up. There is an other orientation. That's what I wanted to focus on. Yeah, 1419, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to yeah. peace and mutual, mutual edification. You know, that's yeah. where he's hitting in that verse 15, or yep. in, in chapter 15. Don't destroy the work of God. So then it brings up this other interesting thing about our own choices. Because it's better, all food's clean, but it's wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else ah. to stumble. It's better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, and, and this has been used so much. Like, don't, call, don't do something that causes your brothers or sisters to fall. And we know, like, let's just call this out. We, yeah. we know that verses like that have been used to blame a woman for sexual misconduct that a man yeah. did. Like, we know that this has been abused big time. Mm -hmm. And yet at the same time, Genesis 1, or, or the, the, the first book of, of the Bible, Genesis is founded on this story of, of one person killing another, and the, and the question is, am I my brother's keeper? That he comes back, and God's answer is subtly, yeah, of course you are. Like, we are each other's keepers. Yeah. Yeah. So there's somehow a responsibility there that we can really damage people if we're not sensitive. But how does that not become a new form of enslavement yeah. where it's just the most rigid person sets the rules for everything, yeah. for Christian living? If that had happened in the time of Jesus, then everybody would have listened to the most fundamental Pharisee. Yeah. And you certainly wouldn't have any work on the Sabbath because yeah. he, Jesus offended the Pharisee. Yeah. I, I think that's a Figure that question. out for us, please. Oh, geez. Okay. Because I, I love I, asking questions. I have the you see answer. how I did? You see what I did there? Yeah. Yeah. I asked a great question. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, can you repeat the question? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, I think that's an important point, right? Because if, if we really carry around with us this burden of, oh my gosh, I cannot offend anybody. If anybody thinks that my behavior is is wrong or immoral or blah, 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 then I shouldn't do it. So that, you're right, we default to the, lo the lowest common denominator and then we have to live with the most conservative approach to, to legalism. Which flies in the face, by the way, of, of the, the story of, grace. of Acts. Yeah, and the story of Acts. We should serve God rather than men. Right. Right? Yeah. So, so how does that yeah. work? The question's back to you. Yeah, yeah, I see what you did. Yeah. I think, I think this is where we run into a problem when we approach the scriptures in a legalistic way. When we don't look at the overarching narrative of the Bible and the story that it is communicating, and instead we pull this verse out, when most likely it benefits us, that's the thing. If I look at this humbly when it requires something of me, that's a whole different experience than when I look at this verse as, well, you need to blank, blank, blank because I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. Right? And so, so when we look at this through this self-giving nature, and the self-giving nature says, hey, sometimes you need to, at least at the moment or at least in the presence of some people, you yeah. need to give up some of your freedom. You, yeah. need to, you need to understand and be sensitive to the things that might make it difficult for them to experience Jesus. Yeah. And by the way, if you need to keep your mouth shut, go for it. Because in verse 22, whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. <laughs> yeah. Paul's literally sharing his view with everybody that he's writing to. And yeah. then he says, by the way, keep it between you and God. Yeah. So he just wrote a public letter that says all food is clean. Yeah. He says, I believe that it's okay to eat meat. But if you don't, yeah. <laughs> I hope 
we're not throwing anybody into like faith crisis here if you're pretty new to our church <laughs> and understand that we love asking questions and, and wrestling with yeah. the, the gray areas. But a part of this is breaking yeah. down the dualism that Christian faith yeah. has learned to embrace, that unhealthy Christian faith has learned to embrace. So Either or dichotomy. Th- this morning as we were riffing a little bit to warm up for this, um, you, you were talking about yoga. I was talking about yoga. T- that's tell a us, perfect example. Because that's exactly what this yes. is, right? Okay, so yoga originates We weren't in, doing yoga. She, he was just talking about yoga. Uh, Dwayne just doesn't want to tell you. We're both actually in downward dog chatting across the... <laughs> No, um, so, so a, a, a good, like, lighthearted example that's not going to get anybody killed, yeah. you know, today is, is to talk about something like yoga. So let's say that, that um, I have found life in a yoga practice that actually helps me focus in on Jesus and be aware of the Spirit of God through breathing and things like that. But I am very concerned about the Eastern origins of yoga and the fact that it's not rooted in Christ. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you don't need to be so snarky about it. You could be like, that's a legit. No, that is feeling, a legitimate yeah, thing. Yeah. Right. Okay. Sure. So, so when this happens, the question is, I talk to my friend, and this is really concerning to my friend. And now my friend might be concerned about one of two things. He might be concerned about my faith and my salvation, which, to be honest, I'm not sure is that person's place. Right. But what it might cause them also to do is say, Oh my goodness, like. Maybe, you know, like if, if I respect this person's faith, maybe, maybe Christian faith is not what I thought it was, you know? And, and, it, and it's a big, a big so barrier. Like cause a crisis yeah, of some and, sort. Yeah, and we yeah. can't talk about Jesus anymore. Right. Because, well, I right. feel like you're sliding in this, this direction that's, that's really, really unhealthy. So does that mean you can't do yoga anymore? That's the question. So, so one approach would be like, yeah, I, I, stop, I stop doing that. Um, but what about if in my spirit, I have brought this to Jesus and say, actually, Jesus, you know that I actually connect the best when I slow down and use my body. Mm-hmm. This is really, really helpful for me because <laughs> everybody else is doing their intention. And my intention is, Jesus, help me pay attention to you. And that gets me, you know, more in tune with my discipleship for the rest of the day. I'm not a daily yoga person, by the way, but, um, yeah. but I did it for a while and I enjoyed it. Uh, so, yeah. so the question then is, what might that look like to faithfully listen to yeah. this, cause, this not causing someone to stumble or to put roadblocks in their way to Jesus, but still being at peace with our own spirit? Yeah, absolutely. And I, to me, I think you even just said it a second ago. Paul sort of sets the example here. He's basically saying his own position. He's basically saying, I think yoga's fine, but... If you don't, first of all, keep that between yourself and God. <laughs> but second of all, don't judge the people who are doing yoga. But yeah. if you're doing yoga, and don't look down on the people who, who think it's wrong. And that's, maybe, that's their decision in Christ. Yeah. And right? maybe that should not be the center point of our interactions or even a periphery point of our Because the kingdom of God is bigger right. than downward dog. So maybe I don't need to convince yeah. you that yoga is awesome. Right. And I don't need to convince you that yoga is, is, is not healthy. And what we need to convince good. each other to do is to continue yeah. to be shaped in the way of yeah. Jesus by how we treat each other and how we see the world. But then what responsibility do we have if we do feel like something is a stumbling block, right? So being raised Baptist, alcohol was always a thing, was sure. always an issue. Yeah. Um, and as I grew into my adult years, and um, can I confess this? I drink occasionally. Mm-hmm. I, have, I enjoy the occasional beer or wine or something. And but I, I know that there are certain people for whom that is a major obstacle yeah, and a major stumbling block. And even though I'm confessing it to you right now, there are people who I, I will not 
have a drink if I'm with them because I know about their life and who they are as a person, and I know that that might cause and them to stumble. if that sort of attitude is a problem for us, yeah. that's a huge, that's a sin issue yeah. in our hearts. If we're not willing to give a little of something or another to create a space of love and welcome and kingdom, yeah. then, then like, this is a problem for us. This is, this is not the kingdom of God where we right. lay our lives down for each other. So, so it's not being beholden to other people's requirements, but it's also being absolutely willing to give up freedoms that we have, certainly temporarily, but sometimes in really, really big ways. So circling back to your question yeah. about the idea of how then does legalism not take over if we're not supposed to do anything that someone, you know, finds to be wrong, I think that the balance there is you are always to be focused on that person's heart yeah. and your impact on that person's life yeah. and doing everything in love. And that's why he says, if your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Mm -hmm. After Paul just said, I think all food is fine and I eat anything. But if, if someone... But apparently sometimes he doesn't. But apparently sometimes he doesn't yeah. because he, he would choose to, to abstain from certain things if, if he knew it would not be loving towards his brother yeah. or yeah. sister. Yeah, boy. I, I just think the, the end goal here um, has got to be an understanding of kind of a, a, humble, a humble understanding that we are allowed to hold our convictions. We're yeah. really allowed to hold, hold strong convictions that have been subjected to Jesus yeah. and that have been submitted to Jesus. Say, Jesus, help shape me. I am honestly trying this. But we have to trust that when other people are doing the same thing, if they come to a different conclusion... Yeah. We have to learn how to love and respect. Yeah. You know, the world is shouting at, e at each other right now. And I get it. There's a lot of things in this world that make me angry. But the posture of Christian faith, I am convinced that is prophetic, is one of reconciliation and listening and understanding right now, not primarily one of shouting. Right. That's my gut. I think there have been times in our history where the prophetic voice is one of shouting. But everyone is screaming right now. Mm -hmm. And so when we choose to listen, when we choose to do this dialogue thing in a different way than the world around us does it, there is such beauty that other people see. And we can do that, but it's so hard because we are often being discipled, this is a quote, by the way, you know, by Hannity and Maddow more than Jesus. Yeah. You know, we're, we're picking, our, picking our, our input that shapes our worldview about the other. Instead of Jesus shaping our worldview about the other. And Jesus, by the way, shapes our worldview about the other who is the weak, the marginalized, the vulnerable, and the other who is the powerful, mm -hmm. the oppressor. And ironically, our posture is kind of the same toward both. Yeah. Seeking to love, yeah. care, work for their true good. But you know, forgive. if someone forces you to walk a mile, you walk two. If someone, you're talking about the oppressor, right? Yeah. If someone takes your outer garment, give them your yeah. inner garment you too. You the script. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. And so, again, coming back to loving other people, that is the way of Jesus. So, so what's, what's, what's the good news? That's yeah, what you're yeah, you, you to, took the question out of my mouth. Yeah. I was supposed to ask you, but you asked me first. Shoot. <laughs> um, all right, so what's the good news in this passage? We'll end with this. What, what do you think the good news is? You know, I, I can't help but get away from the fact, or but, but come back to the fact that, um, that the, the good news has, like it frees us from being judge, jury in everybody's life. 
Yeah. Like that's part of like, like I don't have to play that role. My job, this, the Holy, I can actually trust the Holy Spirit to bring conviction, to bring clarity, and my job is, is to kind of love and, and yeah. care. You know, I, I was struck in this scripture that moral responsibility in the Bible is very high. The calling to moral responsibility is significant. The calling to moral superiority is non-existent. So there's yeah. moral responsibility that Jesus calls us to, but moral superiority is condemned. Yeah. The moment that we think that because we have made a, a moral choice that we are somehow superior to another human being is when we move away from Jesus. Yeah. And so the good news is that I'm, I don't have to do that. Yeah. I don't have to determine if you're right or wrong on every single perspective and every view you have. For a twist on that, I yeah. think the good news that I'm seeing in this and taking away from this is that I no longer have to worry that I whether or not I'm measuring up to some external yeah, law. that's good. Because the very last, the only time he mentions sin in this passage is if in, in the very end in verse 23 when he says, the man who has doubts is condemned if he eats because his eating is not from faith and everything that does not come from faith is sin. So the point is, he's already explained if you believe eating the meat is okay, that's right for you. If you believe eating the meat is wrong for you, then that's right, that's the correct thing for you. And when you get to the end, what he's saying is you just have to act within the bounds of your own faith. What does your faith tell you is right and wrong? And that's the judge and jury. That's the idea. It's not like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that this was the rule and that I broke the rule and now I'm gonna be punished for a rule that I broke. I didn't even know I broke. Yeah. You come to it yourself, and, and again, it's part of Paul's theme in all of his writings of replacing the law with faith. The law is no longer a, a force in your life, not an external source of, of judgment. It, is, it all comes from the heart. Yeah. So for me, the freedom there, the good news there is, okay, if I bring this to Jesus, if I pray about this, if I seek and I'm fully convinced in my own mind that eating meat is okay, then I can do that. Or if I'm fully convinced in my own mind yeah. that for me eating meat is, is not right, then, then I need to follow that. In your own mind. In my own mind. Because it has been brought before Jesus. Because, yes. Right? Not yeah. because I've convinced myself that this is fine without actually wrestling with it yeah. spiritually. You can. Sure. You can join it, but you have to be quick, Jess, and only because your entire field of expertise is about this, you know. <laughs> oh, here. Let me get you. It's, I had it muted. Okay, sorry. So, such good conversation. The one thing that I feel like it's important for us to keep in, no, there are a million things to keep in mind. An additional thing to keep in mind as we're taking things to Jesus is that our brains respond to a, an, a difference, an, an assault, a change, a, a suggested change, a conflict with a core belief, like a physical threat. Hmm. And so when, while it might seem easy to be like, oh, let me take this to Jesus, our brain's natural response is confirmation bias, is to, is to seek the information that confirms what I already believe. And so there really is a level of humbling, of acknowledging that hmm. and humbling and seeking, like you said, not the, not the Maddows and Hannity's, but quality Welcoming input. the community of faith to speak into that. Yes, yeah. yes, because yeah. our brain literally responds as though we are under physical threat. Hmm. Thanks. Yeah, if you want to talk about brain science, talk with, with Jess more about yeah. that because 
That's, that's brilliant, and it, it is important. When fully convinced in your own mind does not mean that we give in to confirmation bias. Right. To get to that point, we might need to have a lot of time of dialogue with people who disagree with us or who can yeah. challenge and question and help us work through that stuff. Yeah. Um, a lot of time like that. And, and, and we got to wrap up. We do, but what an incredible moment here just because, like, the, the whole idea science... Okay, the whole idea that brain science has an impact on our faith may be totally new to some people, right? Um, it does. Paul knew Absolutely. nothing about brain science. Paul ha had no idea how the body worked and how the brain worked. But God did because God created it that way. Yeah. And, and that's something really important. And we're in the middle of this Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course, which yeah. says, in essence, our faith cannot be divorced from our emotional selves. And I would also venture to say, based on this comment, not from our mental selves either or our, our physical selves. Uh, mm. you know, I mean, your dad is an expert in that idea that our physical bodies are also a manifestation and totally wound up in our faith. Yeah. So anyway, super cool. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Jess. Good stuff. All right, let's pray. Yeah. Uh, Jesus, we... Uh, we sometimes seek to grow just by entering the conversation. Not always easy to, to bow tie this stuff and, and, and have it all suited up or wrapped up. So, Lord, we, we ask you to bring clarity in the areas that we need it. Help us to walk faithfully in every single way. Lord, teach us to be people who refuse to judge, uh, but also people who can walk in grace and freedom. Uh, in our, within our own consciousness. Help us to be people who work for good in the world, who are so fully in, enmeshed with the kingdom that we understand that you are taking over the world with your movement of love and grace and justice, and we long to be a part of it. Help us, Lord. Amen.